and Reggie bringing you the Young Animal segment on the Weird yes. Science DC Comics dot com podcast, but we have a problem this week, don't we, Chris? Yeah, they they they, they didn't ship any Young Animal books. Yeah, no Young Animal this week for us. So uh, we decided we want to do something a little bit different, and uh, mm-hmm. this this actually was Chris's brainchild. We're going to see how it goes, but if we enjoy it, and if you guys enjoy it, then we'll bring you more of these on weeks that Young Animal it doesn't put in any books. Uh, I, I guess we can call this the comics year in review. Yeah, I uh, thought maybe we call it real comics history because we're known for weird comics history. That's true. This this, <laughs> this stuff here isn't that weird. It's uh, yes. just sort of it's just sort of a recounting of comic book related events happening in 1992, uh, which yeah. is a, which is an important year for comics and an important year for Chris himself, isn't it? This will be sort of a uh, more of a trip down memory lane for you, I think, right? Of your early yeah, days, pretty of comic much. Booking. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I, I think that comic fans, especially lifelong comic fans, have a very uh, unique way of tracking their lives. I mean, there are a few series that I have. I have entire runs of since the day I was born. Uh-huh. You know, of course, I wasn't buying them at you no. know three days old, but. Uh, I, it's it's weird how there's actually you know boxes in my in my library where I can actually track my entire lifetime in yeah. comic books. The, down to the and, uh, down to the month and the week, if you you know what I mean, like literally. Absolutely. Like, you know, when I learned to speak, that's when this issue of uh, you know New Teen Titans came out. Yeah, it's like oh, this I was in third grade, you know. It's uh, <laughs> and I think that I think that's something special among comic book fans, and I think uh, you know we are known for talking about the history, and. Uh, I think uh, what a lot of people do realize is that comics history is also, in a way, our history. Yeah. And uh, this uh, this little uh, supplement that we're doing here is a way to uh, explore that and celebrate that. And uh, hopefully you all enjoy it and uh, even get in on the conversation because, uh, you know, it isn't just about uh, the two of us. Oh, it's absolutely. about all of us. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, uh, it, you know, I, we, I've said it before. It's the most trite question uh, any comics fan is asked is what was your first comic book and everyone and people always say don't ask that it's so stupid I always yeah. want to know I'm always interested of course. I always want to hear the story where everyone's got their own story you know how it happened uh, mm-hmm. so this this is sort of you know a uh, reflection on that you know or you know just picking a year out of a hat and yeah. uh, see what we come up with so uh, but first we are actually going to walk away from the comics for a second and talk and situate <laughs> the listener in what was happening in the year outside of comics. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna get into the, the gestalt of it here, and we're gonna talk about some real history. It won't go too long, don't no. worry. Uh, on the first of January, nineteen ninety-two, Atari finally ceased publication on the twenty-six hundred uh, after fifteen years. Amazing, I know. I couldn't believe it was I, that late. Yeah, because no, I remember they used to have commercials for it where they were touting that it was only fifty bucks. Yeah, well, that's and how it got the, me. The in. fun is back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, <laughs> It's like wow, fifty bucks for that. Jeez. Uh, 
Uh, on the 1st of February, we have uh, George H.W. Bush. He met with uh, Russian Prime Minister Boris Yeltsin, Yeltsin at uh, Camp David to uh, officially declare the Cold War over. Mm. Uh, Ice-T's rock band Body Count releases their self-titled album on March 28th, which uh, led to a bit of a kerfuffle. That's right. That was over the Cop Killer song controversy, mm-hmm. and that kind of led to a widespread uh, examination of rap records, even though this was a rock album. But that's uh, for, for another podcast to talk about. I think uh, we talked about that a little bit during the Comics Code with old Tipa Gore. I believe we did, yeah, because that, that was <laughs> other examples of people that had, you know, gone to censor things, yes. uh, you know, and were kind of misguided in our in our opinion. But anyway, you have to go back listen to that or sure. those episodes. Uh, also in '92, Midway released the uh, Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet that October. One week later, Sega released Night Trap for the Sega CD. A day of reckoning is on the horizon for video games. Uh, yeah, they're not. They're going to be making some changes very soon, and you're not going to see as many uh, arcades in the uh, near future. (laughs) In November, Bill Clinton is elected the 42nd president of the United States, which was the second most important cultural event to happen that November, if you're a comic book fan, as you'll find Mm -hmm. out when we talk about it. And for those feeling young today, on June 10th, actress and model Kate Upton was born. So how do you like that? A a walking, breathing, (laughs) articulated adult human was born... When you were, you know, cognizant of old enough to (laughs) old enough to reminisce. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The Washington Redskins win the Super Bowl, beating the Buffalo Bills. Sorry, Brendan. Uh, Yes. (laughs) The uh, big movies this year we got Lethal Weapon three, Home Alone two, and Wayne's World. Mm. So we can party on. Yep. Uh, The median household income thirty thousand six hundred thirty six dollars. Gas one dollar and thirteen cents a gallon. Wow. And uh, if you wanted to send uh, a first class letter, a U.S. postage stamp would only cost you twenty nine cents. And that was pretty much your only option because there was no email, folks. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. if you wanted to do it, you were going to have to pony up that uh, penny less than a 30. But there was a ton of stuff that happened in comics, and there was one event it's especially that is you know, meaningful to comics and meaningful to Chris and I, and that was? That was the death of Superman. Ooh. Yes, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know there's the arc with Doomsday of course it ran from October through November uh, 1992. Um, it proceed uh, it pre- the uh, month before that the pa- the last page of each comic was dedicated to a fist, a very 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 valuable fist yeah. <laughs> in the back issue bin. Um, this is Doomsday trying to break out of his uh, whatever he was imprisoned in at the time, and uh, each time he would get a little bit further through that that wall, and uh, we'd have the Doomsday is coming caption, yep. and. Uh, it also, might, it also might be worth saying, too, at this time, that Superman comics did come out weekly, right? It was Superman yes. Action, Man of Steel. Yeah, it was uh, uh, the first was week was Man, of Ste- it was Man of Steel, then it was uh, uh, Superman, then it was uh, Adventures of Superman, then oh, right, it was right. Action Comics. Right, okay. So, yeah, so you did have one every week, so they were able to they were able to ramp up to this pretty quickly. You know, this wasn't yeah, like teased out over, you know, issue after no. <laughs> issue after issue. It kind of happened pretty, pretty rapidly. Uh, yeah. But also a lot of it had been, you know, leaked to the public before it even. I mean, the way I first heard about it, 
was through the newspaper. <laughs> you know, I yes. think pretty sure. <laughs> and and you remember uh, it was Newsday, right? That's, that's it was when... New York Newsday because yeah. I just happened to be a paper boy for New York Newsday, and uh, I delivered the paper that said on the uh, under the under the fold on the bottom of the front page it said uh, it said Great Caesar's Ghost they killed Superman. And wow. there was an image of Superman fighting the critter that we would know later as Doomsday. Yeah. And uh, so I was like the world's worst Paul Revere that day. <laughs> <laughs> you were just, uh, <laughs> Superman's dead. Superman. I was yelling Doomsday is coming up and oh, down uh, no. up and down my Long Island neighborhoods. Uh, and that's why and, you had to move hastily to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they told me don't come back. They were like, don't, don't raise the doomsday alarm, kid. You know, this is uh, we still got bunkers in our backyards. <laughs> yeah, they were digging holes in the backyard. Uh, but, uh, I, mean, yeah, for... I, I, I must remember that too. But it was also picked up by news. I mean, after a while, they, oh, yeah, it was it, on it the was East News. And, yeah. Oh yeah, and this like this transcended comics because. Uh, it was weird because, you know, I'd like rel- all my relatives knew that, you know, I was, you know, the comic guy or comic kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'd have like aunts and uncles like, hey, who's Doomsday? Oh, yeah. And it's like weird because it's like they never cared about any of this stuff. But when, you know, Connie Chung says it on the on the evening news, it's, uh, you know, it's something. And, of course, the Superman recognition is pretty much 100 percent, I would say, or near that yeah. in the world. I mean, you know, so. I mean, it's it's sort of funny because it reminds me, you know, not to jump too much into the present, but I guess it's <laughs> going to happen. But, you know, today people are always mad about any change to any hero, and especially Superman. And yeah. this sort of had that effect, too, where people who have probably hadn't touched a comic in decades, you know, or, you know, many or, years, or, they, they didn't know what Personally to, offended. They were, they were upset, yeah. They were just like, <laughs> no, don't do that to Superman. It's like, what, do you want them to, like, return him to his... Uh, his original state so you can stop reading him again you know what i mean like, <laughs> i want him to quietly be stuck in that you know forever looking like the way wayne boring drew him and that's it i don't want any any anything new um yes. but if it eventually did happen that uh doomsday arrived with superman man of steel number 18 that was cover date december 92 uh came out in october right i'd have to assume yeah and yeah. doomsday is here uh yes. also that that uh October and I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I remember the 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 issue starting here. I really don't remember the issues preceding. The, I remember like that last panel. Doomsday is coming. I yeah, don't, I, was, don't really, I don't really remember what happened in those issues. It was so. kind of a down month because uh, they had just finished up Panic in the Sky a little bit before that, and it was uh, the months le- the, like the two or three months leading between the two were. Uh, just kind of stories. I guess they, they knew they had to get, special. They had to tread water a little while, you know, because they were had to prepare for this big uh, two-month yes. event or so. You know, I guess it came out to a couple of months too. When when we all told when we went into the next year, even uh, with Sir. Superman's resurrection or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, I I do remember the the Doomsday books and uh, but but one thing I really remember coming out that time was Sword of Azrael number one. Uh, yeah. Which which was a prelude to Nightfall, which was sort of in my mind, I can I can never uh, extricate these two events from each other. They they seem so similar to me in so many yep. ways. You know, Batman doesn't die, but they introduce a brand new villain who's like a hulking, you know, mm-hmm. berserker behemoth to break his back, and then a replacement Batman, or you know, even Batman show up in a way after that. So it's it's almost yep. it's similar. I can never like I, they're always tied, linked right in my head. They're intrinsically yes, yeah. they're very very close. Especially you know they happen so close together, and then there were so many similarities, so many parallels. 
Yeah, you know? the two stories. And it's funny. At the time, I remember thinking both about Doomsday and Bane. I was like, well, they're bringing them in, and we'll never see them again. <laughs> well, yeah, they were, they were just one-offs. I was very wrong about that on both <laughs> accounts, folks. We have seen a fucking plenty of Doomsday and Bane. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it seems like people were really annoyed by that because it's like, hey, who are these guys coming in and taking out the big guns? You know, it's uh, it, you know, it should be Lex Luthor, it should be the Joker, but yeah. it's it's these two guys instead. And uh, I remember getting they were getting a lot of flack for that, well, or some flack. Anyway. Being older, we can see why because yes, if, if Lex Luthor had killed Superman, then even when they you brought can't... Superman back, he would always be the guy that kills. You know, whether he's yeah. in jail forever, I mean, it wouldn't work. Uh, but <laughs> at the time, I definitely felt almost like Lex Luthor deserved this, or Brainiac. You know, sure. what I mean? like they they've put in a lot of work over a long time. <laughs> you know, yeah. over fifty years trying to kill this guy. And now, and then this Johnny Come Lately shows up, and just uh, smashes him into the ground. <laughs> so, um, but but eventually Superman did die after Doomsday yes. kind of. He hops, he leaps over to Metropolis. He tackles with a bunch of people. I can't remember everybody that he tackled on the way there. Uh, I think it was the Justice League Inter- International, oh, yeah, right, or the yeah. Justice League America. They it did. had uh, like Bloodwind and Blue Beetle, oh, Ice yeah. Fire. Oh, this is where I, guys. this is where I was introduced to the whole concept of the Justice League. Interesting. So really, that, that was the first time you saw it, and the first guys you see are Bloodwind and Blue Beetle of all <laughs> yes. weird people and Maxima. <laughs> oh jeez. Um, yeah, because Man of Steel 18 was my first Superman comic book. Now, I, had I gotta never ask, what made before. you, was it, was it the hype? It was, uh, it was, you know, I, I, I'm guessing it was at least partway the speculator eye. Mm. Uh, but uh, I also cared. I, I wanted to know how this was going to go down because uh, Superman was one of the guys that I avo- I avoided DC Comics when I was a kid because I hated the villains. The yeah. villains were just so boring, and uh, and Superman was just so boring because I never actually sat down and read it. Yeah, he was just you know what are you going to do? How, how you can't hurt the guy. So why am I going to care? When I can, when I can hop over to Marvel and see, you know, Spider-Man fighting Doctor Octopus or yeah. the X-Men fighting Magneto, and the costumes why am I gonna... shredded every time, you know what I mean? Yeah, the blood like, spewing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So why am I gonna watch? Why am I gonna read Superman fighting a lizard man? <laughs> you know, what do I care about that or a living plant? You know, it's just, uh, I just didn't have any kind of interest in it. So Man of Steel was my first. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It was my first DC comic, but it was definitely my first uh, Superman. Superman. Comic. I, I, you know, I never was a, a big Superman fan. I read it kind of hmm. on and off, but uh, I had sort of drifted away. That the Panic in the Sky is something I read later on, uh, more recently yeah. in my life, although probably ten or more years ago now. I can't can't really remember, but uh, I, I followed Burns, Man of Steel, till about oh I don't know eight, something like that. How long was he on that? Till six. He was well six. Uh, the first, uh, the Man of Steel was a fir- was first a uh, six issue miniseries, right. and then he wrote uh, Superman Volume Two uh, from issue one to I think twenty two or twenty three. So I bet, so, uh, so I bet to be honest, what I really read was uh, Burns Mini, mm-hmm. and then probably maybe a the couple issues handful. after that. Yeah. yeah, like you know, I was interested in, in the mini because this was the you know reinvention of Superman, sure. and uh, I didn't hate the guy. And to be honest, I always will have an affinity for like. The Golden Age Superman and its unbelievable ridiculousness. You know, <laughs> I, I just love comics from that era in general because they just kind of go off the wall. Uh, but I, for me, it was definitely the news hype. Uh, oh yeah. And, and I, I just want to say before we go to the actual issue, like this is something you don't see that anymore. Maybe it's because nothing in comics warrants that kind of thing. But like 
you know, yeah, you know, Marvel or DC, they'll get copy in Entertainment Weekly or USA Today, yeah. and Marvel can, you know, use connections to talk shows or whatever. But you really don't see like it's not a news item. You know what I mean? No. Like it, it's not part of the uh, nightly news, and partly because nightly news doesn't really exist the way it used to. Either, nope. It's know? all editorializing. So now. It's, it's yeah, the uh, <laughs> the whole <laughs> the whole game has changed. But I mean, this really was. Like you think you think I guess the Cold War ended. They were like, oh, we got to report on something. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's, that's what uh, when, that's what uh, Mark Wade said because he he was saying that uh, the reason this got so big is because they dropped the news on a day that absolutely nothing else happened. Wow, maybe so, I mean that's uh, true. You know, I mean the the, the uh, Gulf War would have been over all that stuff. So yeah. Uh, anyway, he did eventually die in front of our very eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. That was. Uh, Cover dated January 93, but it came out in November of 92. That was Superman number 75. Uh, and I believe Chris is hanging on to 20 or 30 of them. You're hoping to uh, retire on that still, right? <laughs> well, uh, yes and no. Uh, I, <laughs> you, you're hanging expect... on to them, but you're not, you're not thinking you're going to retire yeah. on them. <laughs> it, this is a book that I will I, – I think it's just in it's, – it's wired in me now that I cannot let an issue of Superman 75 sit in the 25-cent been right i i can't let it do that because it's better than that that would be out of the um, bag right though for 75 cents i i've i've gotten a few black bag ones really for 75 yeah. cents i mean I, I would i don't think they'd be i wouldn't think there'd be much more but i don't know maybe a buck 52 bucks i don't know yeah they're they're not worth uh, they're not worth the, the bag they're put in literally <laughs> but uh it's uh I, I got a few friends that uh, that you know came up same you know same age as me same age range as me and they, they're the same way. It's like if I ever see it, you know, just on like a fifty cents or whatever, it's like it, I can't have this book stand next to an issue of Brigade. I, I, I do hear you on that. I, I, I'm like that with some comics. I'm, I used to be like that more with records because uh, mm-hmm. I was definitely a, a bigger vinyl collector. But but certain comics, if I see like ambush books, stocking stuffer. Yeah. Uh, you know, certain Doom Patrol comics, even especially if they're real cheap, um, I can't let them sit there. But I know you do have a, a bunch of must must buys. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> there are so a few you, that so I will always rescue. <laughs> so this uh, Super Nintendo 75 came out in a poly bag, a plastic bag that was black with a uh, a dripping bloody a bleeding Superman S logo. That's right, a big red S on it. Uh, inside included an armband, so you could wear it to your junior high school and everyone can make fun of you as they did to me <laughs> because <laughs> Superman had died and uh, a Daily Planet obituary, a unique trading card, stamps, and a poster. Um, yep. Now, the now the original thing cost two fifty, and it was the number one selling comic in 1992. I uh, And when I was looking at the Comicron numbers, this was at number one. The next DC, which I can't remember what it was, it was a Green Lantern book, uh, was 22. So, you know, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't like DC was used to being up at part of the list, I think, you know. (laughs) No, because I actually, I I just came into a bunch of uh, Wizard magazines from 1992, also in a a 25 cent bin. Wow. But, uh. The uh, they have the market share in there, and DC the DC sliver is almost scarily small. Wow. In 1992, it's uh, it's well, I mean, it's obviously smaller than Image at that point too, yeah. because well, I mean, Image, Image was the thing. Image was dominating. That that's yeah. What I saw between uh, you know, two to twenty one or whatever it was on the Comicron list, it was all Image and Marvel. Non-stop. Image and X Men. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's exactly what it was. So yeah, I mean, they were. 
this this was an especially you know big time for Marvel and Image had just come out uh you know a year before right this month this year this oh really year. this year yeah, we're gonna get oh to that's them. right we're gonna get to that so there it is so it uh it it was huge but but when you can think about that when you think about how many comics were being bought for this still to come out number one it was must have sold a phenomenal amount of uh comics and that means that a phenomenal number were produced i i made a deal with my mother for this book that's because, right uh, i was uh, unable to go to the comic book store uh, you know when they opened the doors because i had to go to school mm. and uh, i was not able to afford the inflated price for a hold on it right uh this is something we're going to talk about a little bit in, in a bit but uh you know how like now you have a hold box at a comic store and they give you like 20 percent off your books yep Back then, at least in my neighborhood, if you had a hold box, I can't say this is nationwide, but you paid, you paid for it. Yeah. You, you paid for the privilege of them holding books for you. Yep. And uh, the, we had uh, the Death of Superman run. It was the entire thing, and it was cover price plus $20. Holy cow. And uh, I did not do it, not, not not for any kind of self-righteous thing. I just couldn't come up with the scratch. Yeah, and I you were a kid. You were like literally a little kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only so much lunch money I can save up in a week. But yeah. uh, I, uh, I made a deal with my mother that she would go at, uh, at open and pick it up for me. And my comic store was maybe the size of an industrial closet. Yeah. And she said there were there were over a hundred people. Uh, amazing. Waiting in line. Yeah. Hours before the store opened. I mean, I think that people that weren't you know around then they can't know how truly mass this was like. This was huge. Where the iPhone is today, that's where this was back then. You yeah. know, people really did. And I do remember that that uh, the one near me would charge more for a pull box if you oh. pulled. You know, certain if you pulled X Men, basically the, the comics yeah. everyone wanted anyway. You know, like, if you were pulling Uncle Scrooge reprints, you'd probably be all right. <laughs> but, uh, <Yeah. laughs> um, but you know, I mean, from their point of view, I mean, the, the speculation, which we're going to talk about a little bit in a minute, it was such that you know, if you had, if you set aside whatever Death of Superman, you know, if Superman seventy five, and you didn't show up for a couple of weeks. You're taking money at it, you know what I mean? Like this guy's yep. losing a lot of money off of that. That that's a that's a comic he can turn around and maybe sell for even twenty, twenty five, thirty. You know, it just kept going up, uh, yep. artificially so. And I I looked online. I didn't check eBay really, but I checked. Uh, I forgot it was my comic shop or something. Um, mm. an unopened one, uh, in very fine condition. So we'll say about eight CGC. Sure. So, sells for sixteen to eighteen bucks. And I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Don't pay that price because if no. you if you go to a comic shop, you'll probably be able to get it. Well, if you're Chris, you'll get it for thirty five cents. <laughs> go, I, to, I, go to used record stores. Go to go to half price books. You'll oh find yeah, them. if you go if you go to yeah even antique stores, you'd be surprised. What oh you yeah, find out there. But there, I mean, there are so many of these. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you, <laughs> you you may even just find them just in a, in a supermarket, just like oh stuff behind <laughs> the cabinet. Around, like, oh, yeah. here they are. You know what I mean? Some guy some guy used it as his uh, insulation in his house. He can pull them out. <laughs> No, it's kind of it's kind of like how uh, uh, the uh, what is it Atari made more copies of ET than they had for, uh, they had Ataris. Yeah, they the had consoles. Yeah, and, th- <laughs> yeah. and those actually did get buried in New Mexico. You know, they yeah. found the, uh, the the thing which was the landfill. It was crazy. Now here's something I didn't know at the time that there were 93 platinum bagged editions with a yep. uh, extra foil cover and a silver S logo. I didn't. I don't. Maybe I knew it at the time and I forgot. But uh, those go for. Uh, 
Those I, are pricey. I, I couldn't find any bagged ones for sale on this website. And again, I didn't I didn't scour the internet for it. I'm sure you can find it in the world, hmm. but the on the unopened ones, I mean the opened ones that were in very fine condition, uh, going from 180 to 500 dollars. So sure, that was the investment, but only 93 people got it. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah. DC was doing that at the time. They were doing these platinum editions. They did them for uh, for the return as well. Oh really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And like they did them for even like stuff like Action Comics 700, which was like the fall of Metropolis. They had platinum versions of that for some reason. Very strange. Well, there wasn't but, a lot uh, to convince publishers from using uh, cover yeah. facts in those days. You know, just kind of. <laughs> Oh, what, what, what's happening this issue? Uh, you know, Superman smokes a cigarette. We'll put a foil cigarette on the front of the front. That'll there be great. Go. It'll be fine. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to smoke. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you press a button, <laughs> it'll light up on the thing. We'll charge We'll charge eight bucks for it. It'll be great. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely a crazy time. And then, of course, Superman died. And, you know, what followed after that, I don't want to go too much, but I loved the coming of the Supermen. Uh, yes. The four Superman, the, the Metropolis. The reign of the Superman. That's yeah. what it was. Sorry. The reign of the Superman. It was us. Uh, I, I, I really loved all those books. And that I almost remember more fondly. Because if you really, because I mean, really, so story wise, hmm. the death of Superman is not a lot to it. You know, it's Doomsday. It's a fight. Yeah he, yeah. he he pounds his way across. They fight for an issue. There's like a super punch that kills mm-hmm. them both at the end. Uh, although we learn that neither of them. Really dies, uh, of course. It is, after all, a comic book, ladies and gentlemen. Is. This isn't a, uh, you know, documentary. Um, but, it, it, you know, I mean, it's a, I, it's, it's a, it is a good comic, and it is a, yeah. you know, good in comic form. The art is great. You know, that was Jurgens wrote them all, right? So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think, uh, Simonson, Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov were on Man of Steel. Uh-huh. I want to say Jerry Ordway was on Adventures of Superman. He was on Adventures um, of Superman, yeah. Yeah, Roger Stern was on Action Comics. Oh, and uh, Jurgens was on Superman Volume 2. Okay, and that was the... So it was a great, great lineup. It was it was a real a solid team. Well. And it was, and it, was, it was a team of people all working together. Uh yeah, they had summits and everything. It was uh, and it was the triangle numbering. So I mean, That's they right. had to, they had to, you know, play together. It was, uh, it, it was, it was really a cool event. As much as it sounds like almost stupid now, you know what I mean. And even yeah, when I've quaint. heard, when I've heard stories of them talking about coming up with it, that they were always, you know, every year they get together, they wonder where we're going to do Superman this year, and they've been saying for years, let's kill him. Uh, as a joke. As a joke, and then finally they were like, "Yeah, I guess let's let's do it," you know. <laughs> well, they had to because they had the initial plan was to marry him and Lois. Right. But well, they couldn't because of the show, right? Because of the show, because Lois and Clark started, and they wanted to do it. They yeah. wanted synergy between the two brands, so uh, they had to put it off for a year or two. So that's how we got the death. Yep. It's basically, if you're not going to marry, you might as well die. Same thing, right, guys? Come yes, Jim. Yeah, you hear me now, fellas? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> you got something marry, kill, right? <laughs> That's right. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you told me that story uh, early on when we were first talking about your mom waiting. Hmm. And then you said, what was it, a year later, she, she, you had to wait for some X-Men title, right? Yeah, that, uh, that was, uh, well, if we cover the, the falling out of the... <laughs> Yeah. Of the uh, speculator, it, it was a similar thing. The the comic guy got us all hyped up for it, and she went to the store an hour before they opened, and there was no one there. Yeah, she was, and yeah. she came back an hour later, and there was no one there. What what, what comic was that though? That was uh, it was X Men Prime. There you go. It was right after the Age of Apocalypse. 
So it was supposed to be this big deal, and it was a chromium cover. It was like a $5 book on that horrible mid-'90s glossy paper oh, yeah. with a color. Like, it felt like you could actually stir the color on it. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen you write about that on your blog. Yeah, uh, I hate it. <laughs> and, and, and I know what you mean. I remember hating that, too. It's funny. You know, a lot of these, you know, at this time in my life, this is uh, Chris was – you know, really getting into heavily into collecting, or had had been into collecting, and was at the peak of this big bubble. But from what I was seeing in comics, the art styles, and we're gonna talk about a certain <laughs> group of people that were fundamental in my opinion about this. But the art styles that were coming out, and the coloring, and it just seemed the production in general, even the lettering seemed to seem to slip. It was like standards was in gross. my mind yeah. had slept, had slipped. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I never, believe me, I never picked up a comic and said, "That's it, I am done." But also, I was a you know teenager. I was like 17 at the time, so it all kind of coincided with me really wanting to hang out with girls and stuff, and not necessarily yeah. want to spend my money on comics. You don't want to show them your X-Men. Yeah, so it uh it all kind of worked out for me at the same time. But th- this this was a time that a certain group of people distinguished themselves in this very very same period that Death of Superman came out, and that was the folks at Image Comics. And I think Chris yes. is gonna tell us all about it. Yeah, we have, uh, let's see, we got Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Eric Lawson, Jim Valentino, Mark Silvestri, Rob Liefeld, and Wills Protasio. They uh, broke off from Marvel. They were upset that they weren't getting um, they weren't getting royalties for stuff like uh, their work, their artwork on T-shirts. And, yeah, uh, and, and also and, for characters they created. Yeah, they they weren't as I mean, Liefeld he you know he did create their, uh, Deadpool yep. and Cable and uh, and. Uh, What's his face? Uh, McFarlane was a uh, he was integral in Venom being a, a thing. Very much so, yeah. So it's uh, they you know you can see the point they have, and and this is kind of why it it kind of sucks to be a you know a big two comic fan now because nobody's making new characters. No, it's all derivatives now. It's exactly, and it's it's precisely for this reason, you know, that that no mm-hmm. one wants to put themselves on the line and make. Warner Brothers and Disney a ton of money, you know what I mean, that they're not going to see any of. Although they do, they do work out weird deals nowadays sometimes for if they use storylines. I, you know, I I wonder what goes on behind the scenes, but. Oh, I'm sure it's crazy, but I'm reminded of a a tweet by my good friend uh, Dan Jurgens, uh-huh. who uh, who said he said if you tell me you created the eighth version of Robin, I will tell you you ain't created shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess he's a little bit annoyed at the derivative uh, nature of new character creation now. Yeah, I, and uh, he's got you know, a point. You know, he certainly does. <laughs> and he. Actually, he also uh, before we, you know, not to go, not to jump back in time here. He also tweeted me personally because he is my close personal friend. Right, your buddy. That yeah. uh, <laughs> we did take a photo together, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he did say that uh, he he was happy that my mom waited in line to buy that book. Oh wow! Because so, he actually he came to the site and he read what I wrote, which oh, awesome. kind of blew my mind. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that that that's a great story about. Uh, mm. You know, the fact that you had to get your mom to do it, too, is just like, you know, you were not going to miss that book for anything. And it's 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 even funnier considering that now you're picking it up for freaking 75 cents at the record (laughs) store. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I I didn't put you out that day, mom. It turned out I would have more of these damn comics that I could handle. Because she'll still ask me. She'll still ask me, like, hey, you remember I did that? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, how much is that worth now? It's like, don't worry, mom. It's, It's worth a lot. Not a lot. Here, here's 10. (laughs) <laughs> He's dead for your trouble. Yeah, don't don't put him on eBay yet. We're waiting for the right time. Now, uh, all all these guys, you know, Liefeld got his start at DC. I think McFarland did too, didn't he? 
Yes, uh, uh, McFarlane did some Infinity Incorporated or, or All-Star Squadron, something like that. He also did uh, that Invasion. Invasion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liefeld started on Hawk and Dove, I think, was his first yes. revamp. And, um, uh, Lee, I think, was straight to Marvel, though, uh, if, if, if I I'm think not incorrect. Right. Yeah. And I think he almost, like, I think he did a couple of things, and then he immediately went to X-Men. And Yeah, because he was the Punisher guy at first. Right, and then right. That, and then... He he saw that the X Men was ramping up and was able to uh, convince Bob Harris to give him the keys to the castle, basically. Yeah, and uh, kind of still they still kind of work together if you look at if you look at what's happening in DC. <laughs> but that's uh, yes, something for the, you know a future episode. Uh, you know, for me at this time though, and I was seeing the stuff in DC and Marvel, and 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 what's interesting is now I can look at it and appreciate it on, on a different level. But at the time, <laughs> I hated all of these artists so i mean so much and i just hated the way they inked i hated their yes. like rapidograph like they're they're super you know all these lines the thin line and too many lines you know and i felt like they were very amateurish and frankly they were these were kids you know they, they were like yeah. 18 to 20 so i think mcfarlane was oh no it must have been sylvester was the oldest one at the time I bet, yeah right? Liefeld was the youngest yeah but he was he was he was like 18 he was or 19 yeah. uh and they were all very young. Fresh out of high school, yeah. So you know, part of it is they were very young, but I also felt like maybe they shouldn't be on the freaking lead titles. Uh, it, it was such. <laughs> you were looking at Wizard. You were showing me um, yes. ads in Wizard where they were talking about comics coming out, and they were talking artist first, writer second. Yeah, it was. Right? Uh, yeah, like if, like say uh, the issue of Uncanny X Men, it was by Jim Lee and Chris Claremont. Uh, you know, <laughs> which is crazy. It's almost. It's unbelievable. I mean, in a sense. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, the, the, sure. the artist does do more labor. No matter because I notice, like, uh, Jerry Ordway, he'll always put the artist first if he's not penciling his own work. Like, in the credits pages, he'll put the artist's name above his. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's I'm guessing that's his choice. And, <laughs> this is the you see, uh, fans you see guys today, it'll be, they'll combine the names, they're storytellers or yeah. whatever it is, you know. And, and, and there's a reason for that. A lot of times uh, these guys do the plotting, you know. They're, they're basically doing the entire directing of, sure. the, of the comic, you know. It's, and it is more laborious. However, most people, and I have to agree, as a comics reader, I can read a great story with, like, mediocre art. Better, better. I'll never read a shitty story with the great with art. Great you know, art. I can look at great mm-hmm. art and be yeah. very happy about it, but if there's a story <laughs> attached to it, I'm going to be disappointed. So this was totally different at the time. And I mean, you know, I, I, I really don't want to impugn your childhood comic book reading, but some of those stories were moronic. I mean, they were just some beyond beyond, <laughs> beyond stupid, like to the level of insulting. You know what I mean? But more I than don't that, have it, an it, arrow. It, this pen will do. <laughs> Oh God, that's coming up, folks. Uh, yeah, I, I really, I remember hating the art so much. I hated the grimacing. I hated the, uh, you know, stylistic. What I, what mm-hmm. I consider to be stylistic cheats. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that isn't fair. And I will say that, uh, you know, all these guys, they still work in comics, as far as I know sure. today. I can't think of any of them that don't. Um, and all of them have improved, even though I, I still have to say, like, I don't love all of their art styles. And you you and I have talked about this before, yes. but, <laughs> you know, I, I would never I would never say Jim Lee can't draw. He he can draw. Oh. He knows anatomy. He knows, you know, movement. He, he, has just, he does all the things you should do as a practiced artist. It's just not to my liking. 
except for Rob Liefeld, who still draws the exact same way he drew in 1992. I like, how does that happen? Uh, he's gotten no better. It's almost willfully so. Like he, he had to try not to improve. I, I think it was Dick Giordano who said uh, he said he will he will be great, but he just has to get it first. And uh, he hit it big before he got it. Yeah. So he never had to get it. Well, now, <laughs> now you you'll know more about this than me. But my impression is that once he hit it big, he stopped really drawing. He kind of built a stable of guys to draw in his style. Right. It seemed uh, seemed so. Yeah. Because even when he got big before image at Marvel, uh, the Marvel editorial was having seasoned comic artists ape his style oh, God. like you know herb trimpy and uh and uh with the busemas uh they were they were advised to draw more like rob Liefeld. i mean you know that that was true in the days of kirby yeah but kirby was reinventing the comics language for god's sake you know what I, mean? <laughs> I was gonna say he wasn't yeah, kirby putting, was he writing the bible teeth in someone's head you know <laughs> good god 80 teeth and no feet but, uh, <laughs> yeah really I, I I do have a uh, anecdote for Rob Rob uh, Rob Leefield actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back in the day, they used to have these ads in the books from American Entertainment, where they would write about all the hot books. And uh, there was a it was an ad for a brand new mutant title by Rob Liefeld called Youngblood. And I was big into the X Men, and we me and my buddies were like, "Holy cow, this is going to be a new." A new, uh, you know, mutant book. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, he, well, he just started X-Force. What's this going to be? And uh, the, what we figured was that it was going to be uh, the, like a new version of the New Mutants. Yeah. Because uh, New Mutants was canceled to make way for X-Force. So there was no kid team yet. So we figured, oh, okay, this young blood, that's probably it. And so, you know, we marked it on our calendar. We didn't realize it wasn't coming out from Marvel. We did notice that it was more expensive than a Marvel book. <laughs> but because, uh, I mean, it, it was weird because it was this nebulous thing. It's like, is it Malibu? But there's an image logo. What? what who's yeah. publishing this? It who's was, printing this? It was this? strange at the time, yeah. It was. was. Sort of like, I don't know. You didn't know what, what company was doing what. Yeah, and so me and my buddy Trudge up there the day it comes out, and uh, it's already on the wall. This yes. is release day. And uh, it's you know I think it had either a dollar ninety nine or a two dollar fifty cent price to, a price, cover price, uh-huh. and it was on the wall, bagged and boarded for five dollars the wow. day it was released, and uh, I was like, okay, I can't do it. There was no way I could do it. So, uh, but my buddy wanted to do it, and so uh, I was already buying. I, I think I had already spent whatever pittance I brought with me on uh-huh. on some X title, and uh, he only had the two fifty. So we had to go. We had to walk back to his house, and then walk back up to the comic book store so you could pay five dollars wow. for Young Blood number one. And you know we do this, and it's 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 a whole day event at this point. Yeah, well you and, said it was uh, it was even a, a couple of miles, right, or a mile. Yeah, or it was like it was yeah. a, like a two or three mile walk. Wow. <laughs> And uh, stand by me or something. Yeah, well, no, we did. We actually did walk the train tracks the whole way. So you want to see it a was dead like, comic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we get there, and he's like, he points to the wall. He's like, yeah, I want that one. And this numbskull behind the counter pulls out a box full of them, and they're all unbagged, unboarded. Wow. And he flops it on the counter, and he's like, all right, five dollars. And my buddy's like, I want the one with the bag and board. And he's like, no, that's just for show. Are you fucking kidding? I mean, this is no. 
this is this is you know people want to wonder what happened to that speculators yeah. bubble. Well, you're hearing some stories what happened to it. You know what I mean? Like, wow. And I'll never I'll never forget the guy behind the counter because we're like, why is it so expensive? And he's like, it's Rob Leefield, man. It's Rob Leefield. <laughs> Leefield. Leefield, man. <laughs> what other what nuts. other retail industry? Can do that. Can do that. I don't. I don't think there's one. Maybe. Maybe the jewelry industry. You know what I mean. Something Perhaps. like that. Uh, but but no, I, nowhere the, else. The, the same guy didn't price up the death of Superman. <laughs> so wow. It's like, but for Rob Leefield, man. Leefield, you, you, man. You know, whatever he touches. It turns to something. This is uh, but, uh yeah, this is all part of that crazy time, right? That speculation, oh, yeah. the speculator frenzy. Um, this is such a berserk time you know i remember in my life and again like i said right around this time i was sort of walking away from comics taking a break from them for the most part although i did stick in with batman because that's the kind of guy i am and i actually did read like vertigo stuff at the time but i walked away from superheroes but i remember i'd go to friends houses that had never talked about comics never had mentioned a comic in their lives and they've got a short box of you know whatever x-men and uh image comics i was like what is this and it was the investment it was a it was really what kicked it off was an article in i think the wall street journal yeah, uh, I think 89 i believe it came out we you know with this we, we didn't do the kind of research we usually do for this we're just kind of off the cuff but i believe it was 89 90 and it said that comics and trading cards were a good investment um mm-hmm. and then suddenly a bunch of people who never read a freaking comic or hadn't read a comic in many many years they showed up at the stores and this is what drove all that stuff up and this is really yeah. I, I mean what's i'm surprised chris that that i mean you kind of came up in this era i'm surprised you didn't yeah. run screaming and say i'm never looking at a damn comic again you know what i mean because they basically <laughs> they made you know but you know all the comics companies just proved what major ripoff artists they can be maybe it was just absolutely like, that was like an in an early education in that, how the world works and you were like all right i see how it is now <laughs> you know <laughs> i'll be more wary next time i run out to uh, send my mom out to wait for a superman comic. that's right <laughs> and you know the speculation you know you, you always hear the gag now it's like you're gonna put your kids through college you know it's like oh this this issue of spawn's gonna put my kid through college yeah and uh i i only really bit the speculator bubble <laughs> three times and it was all this year um that was with spawn number one uh, Justice Society of America, number one, and RoboCop versus Terminator, number one. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's just, uh, so Spawn number one, I can see why, right? Image well, title, Todd McFarlane. Scared he... into getting. What, how's we'll that? that. Uh, we got to the store. We didn't even know this book was coming out. Uh-huh. This was different from Youngblood. Youngblood, somehow we knew, but Spawn just showed up. And uh, I think we, I think we kind of actively talked ourselves into not caring about Todd McFarlane because all of his issues of Spider-Man were just so damn expensive. Mm. So I think we kind of talked ourselves into thinking, nah, we don't need to read that. But uh, we get to the store, and like I said, it's the size of a utility closet. And there's a dude, and I was going to call him an older dude, but he's probably not too much older than I am right now. <laughs> but uh, he, he's standing there. He's got his suit on, and he's trying to convince the uh, the guy behind the counter, the same guy, the Rob Leefield guy, uh, to sell him every single copy of Spawn Number 1. Wow. And uh, and I mean, like you look at comic stores now, and like if it's a, if it's a – if it's not like a variant cover book, they they only buy a couple for the shelf. Usually, yeah. It's this. He had 250 copies of Spawn Number One. Wow. 
And this fool wanted all 250 of them. And uh, we thought for a minute he was going to get it. So we each grabbed a copy. (laughs) (laughs) My last chance. Yeah, because, I mean, I had my lunch money for the past couple days saved up. I could put the 250 down on this or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, he wanted all 250 of them. And uh, ultimately he wound up getting, I think, 25. Uh, But which are worth not a whole lot now. Not a whole lot now. Uh, but, that was a big yeah, deal, though, you know, Spawn, yeah. and also was was a visually arresting book. It was oh, it was, it was very nice. It was something very different. I remember that. I remember seeing early Spawn, and something that really struck me was the lettering was so it, it, not great, Tom really. Tom Wojciechowski. Oh, is that is, is that who did it? But he but he was mm-hmm. using so many crazy fonts. You know, it was almost like he uh, went a little overboard as far as but. It the was fact, new toys. The yeah. fact that they were doing it, though, I was like, wow, they are really, you know, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Mad Magazine, even in that way. Plus, Spawn had a little <laughs> bit of a sense of humor about it. I, I, that was always a comic I, I even though I, I poo-pooed the whole era a minute ago. Probably the best of the launch. I would say that, to me, was the best. But even then, I, I maybe saw four issues. And I didn't buy any of them. That was a, a friend of mine was still uh, in the mix buying, buying these uh, image comics is how I really got to see any of them now. What about the old uh, JSA? What what looped you in on that one? It was a number one. It had to be and, done, uh, right? It had to be done, yes. And Superman was on the cover, or he was in it. And this was uh, right, I think, I want to say it was like right around the time that, that we found out about the death. So Superman stuff was going bonkers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about Wizard a little bit. We don't want to go too long here, but... Uh, Wizard pretty much dictated what was going to be valuable and what wasn't going to be valuable. Yeah, and uh, uh, almost so if, arbitrarily so, some would say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I happen to have a few of these, um, <laughs> but uh, we were getting these weird Superman appearances just going up in value ridiculously. So, and it's like weird because I never really had an eye towards selling them. So it wasn't going to be like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to cash in. It was just going to be like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to own something that's valuable. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was Justice Society of America. And RoboCop versus Terminator was one of those that, you know, it was like a hot book. It was a wizard book. It was, you know, buy this book because it's going to be huge. Well, T2 and, had come out in 91, right? Yeah. So Terminator was huge. RoboCop, I don't yes. think, was that huge, though, Chris. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and it was to the point, like, I almost felt dirty buying it because I bought it. And I, I, this was a Dark Horse comic, and I owned zero Dark Horse comics. Yeah. And I had my one long box, and I'm like, what that? Where am I gonna put this? You know? It's like, <laughs> where do I file this piece Uh-oh. of garbage? Now I gotta and, start uh, a whole, uh, yeah, a whole I gotta new put box. A, I gotta get a tab. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I felt dirty having it with my the books I actually cared about. And uh, that, that's kind of what broke me of the speculator thing, because I'm like, I I don't need this book. It, it's gross that it's in my collection for well, such a wrong reason. I mean, you you're a true comics fan. You know, you read mm. comics, you enjoy the yeah. stories, and and that's that's the big difference is, uh, you know, having a valuable comic. Yeah, that that's worth something to me and to anybody, obviously, who sure. likes, who likes money. Uh, but to me, the comics that are important to me, they're not worth anything. Yeah, you they're know, not a commodity. Um, Chris and I, you know, I do have a. Chris has a huge collection of single issues. I have a much smaller one, but the ones that I have that I've kept uh, through they're time, special. they're special to me, and they're not they're not worth anything. I think you could, you know, some of them you could buy for you know pennies out there, but uh, I like to look at them. I like to read them again. And this was a time when there were people. I mean, you know, my brother 
when we were younger, we both read comics through the 80s and then uh, sort of in and out, whatever. But when the speculating happened, my brother would buy these comics <laughs> and put them right into a sleeve board. and a board. <laughs> he ne- never opened, you know what I mean? He ne- he did not read a comic from probably 89 to 92 or 3. Uh, but he bought all of them. He bought almost all of them. Uh, you know, yep. he, he, he didn't... This was a time, too, by the way, if you were an adult and had a decent job, you could still buy entire... I'm giving you all the Marvels, for example. You know, you, that's something yeah. I really don't think you could do today, uh, no. unless you are like, you know, Donald Trump, or you know, you have a ton of money. But if you're a regular middle class person, you really. But back then, you still could. Uh, but actually, he, Donald Trump spoke out about all the variants on Star Wars number one. Is he that, couldn't afford them. He, said, yeah. he said he wanted to put an end to that. He said, yeah. He said, uh, this is too much. You're price gouging. You know, that's it. You know, we're putting an end to this practice. But um, yeah, my brother. Uh, yeah, he 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 would buy a lot. I you know he read Wizard also, so he he would look yep. and see what was big and buy X Men and and definitely like I I do have a polybagged Superman I think somewhere in a wine box in my closet in a stack of stuff that's just stuff that I've kept since a kid. His was he kept it in those hard plastic sleeves oh, you're know talking about. Wow. So that's it got yeah. special, almost like an oversized card sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh he kept it he kept it special and still doesn't you can keep it as special as you want. It's still worth about sixteen bucks at, at best, you know. <laughs> yeah. When they flood the market with with millions of copies, eh? yeah. it's millions. I mean there's so many yeah. of them. It's uh it's uh, I'm sure that I'm we should really be shipping those overseas for uh people that need reading material. We have plenty of them. I just, I just did a, I did a quick look on uh, mycomicshop.com to see about how, you, how your books are doing now. Uh, for Justice Society of America, number one, in uh, in fine condition. That's four dollars and eighty cents. So Ooh. you made you made a you made a nice profit there. I did over you know twenty something <laughs> years. Thirty years. <laughs> uh, the Terminator, Robocop vs. Terminator, that uh, in very fine condition. That means, mm-hmm. you know, pristine, no no nicks, no creases, uh, $2.99. So, <laughs> not, not, not the At least best. it didn't go down. Yeah, it's true. It didn't go down. It didn't go up, really, either. Uh, I just want to, I want to see if I can find uh, Spawn also while I'm okay. here. No, I can't. Yeah, I just oh, I get too many great. returns for a Spawn. <laughs> but uh yeah that just that just really goes to show you. you people talk to me and you know i'm not a huge collector um as far as you know for value but people talk to me mm-hmm. about you know oh is that still a still a thing still good value i'm like yeah. you could make a living flipping comics uh, oh yeah a lot of it is grinding though a lot of it you're going to be making 50 you're cents. putting in a lot of hours yeah, yeah. and, and you, you know you're not you're not you're not buying a comic for two dollars and making 50 you're buying a comic for two and selling it for three if you're, if you're lucky yeah. you know whatever uh that'll be most of yours but the comics in the world that are really valuable uh, what are they chris like 20 like really valuable you know what i mean Maybe. that are worth a couple yeah, hundred a bucks it's... uh yeah i mean you got you got you know action detective mm-hmm. 27 you got amazing fantasy 15 and yep. captain america number one obviously the, those are the big ones Sure. And then you got Marvel like, Comics number one. Marvel number one, and you know, F, oh, there, there, there's quite a few if you can get them in decent condition. But then after that, after you get rid of like I'd say a dozen, you really are, are hitting the bottom of the barrel. It's like the first appearance of Wolverine's worth like 150, 200 bucks in in good condition, and uh, <laughs> yeah. there's really there's really only a handful left out there that 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 will make you any you know windfall money. That'll change your life. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like Action Comics is an outlier, so it's but people saw it as being like, well, if Action Comics 
sells mm-hmm. for a million and a half. Maybe I can make a million and a half on freaking Young Blood number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it's funny because the night that the de- the death of Superman came out, that night uh, my my family went to the uh, flea market, and every single stand at the flea market was selling. I, I, I say that they sold comic book. <laughs> that was it. They, yeah. They sold one comic book and it was uh, Superman 75 and they were varying prices. Uh I think the lowest price that I saw it that night was like 16 bucks. Wow. And uh they they were into the triple digits. That's unbelievable. And, uh, and because and they, those, those people market. those people yeah, they they didn't buy at a markdown. That they didn't have yeah. a, a a you know license to buy wholesale from uh nope. any of the distributors. So yeah, or, they yeah. they went to the store, they paid whatever markup the store had, and then they remarked mm-hmm. it up. Um you see the problem here, economic students? Why this <laughs> why this couldn't be sustained indefinitely? But bigger than cards, uh, sorry, comics in my mind were the trading cards at the time. Um, that, ooh, even though I yeah. probably knew less, you know, I knew I know less about them intimately, but I I remember seeing them everywhere of every type. I mean, you know, uh, pharmacies just had like entire sections that used to be dedicated to like medicine. <laughs> are now dedicated to trading cards. Who needs it? It was, uh, you know, something obviously that started with the sports cards, but mm-hmm. by '92 there was there was like a card for almost everything in the in the universe. You know, there was so yeah. many of them. Uh, you collected some of them, right? You got some of the comics books cards. I, I went I went in with a Marvel uh, Universe series number three, and that was uh, that was my gateway into the the non sports trading card world. And uh, did you, did it, you do sports huge. before that, or my father did? Yeah. And uh, I, I still have them, but I mean, they they really didn't capture me, you know. Right, they, I, hear I you. think, and it was a lot of it was due to the collector mindset. I think I have a little bit of an obsessive streak in me, uh, and these damn things come with a checklist. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's you, you know, if you, if you got it, you gotta have them all. A handy dandy way to raise your OCD, right? There you go. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> And, and, you know, they had the chase cards, and, and you know a thing or two about the chase cards. Yeah, well, you know, this was uh, – the craze was set off in 1990 by Upper Deck. You know, there were people that had done chase cards previous to this, actually. When, mm-hmm. when I, going back into it, I found out that in the 60s, I believe it was Tops were the only card company that were licensed to sell gum in their car oh, in their cards okay. and that was the incentive in fact going back a lot further going into the 50s bubblegum cards yeah pe- people bought them for the gum yeah. they were buying the gum they paid a nickel for gum and they were like oh, i get a free card out of it let me put it in my bike bicycle spokes uh but <laughs> by the 60s there were people already starting to collect them and you know sports fans always have been fans of collecting these things sure. for obvious reasons but uh but Tops, I believe it was Tops. I could be wrong about that, but one company was allowed to do gum. So the other two at the time that did any kind of sports cards, they had to have an incentive to get people to buy them over the gum ones, and they would do chase cards, which were limited edition cards that would be only in certain packs. Or uh, one of them actually even did like uh, in the pack was a gift. I, I you know from what it sounded like you could get like a little Cupid doll or something. Which oh, wow. sounds strange to me because you'd kind of see it the minute you grab the pack, right? It would, <laughs> wouldn't it have a bump in it, but I don't, I don't know how that worked. Maybe it was uh, a lot smaller than I think. But what really set it off was uh, Upper Deck had a find the Reggie promotion, and it was Reg- that's right. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> former New York Yankee Reggie Jackson signed 2,500 special heroes cards signed by hand. This wasn't printed. 
and these were inserted into random packs. And yes, I did mention it because I am Reggie. But <laughs> I mean, you got to think about this though. You know, like you you could you could spend uh, a quarter. I bet still was maybe it was fifty cents. I don't know. But sure. uh, on a on a pack of upper deck cards and find something worth quite a bit of freaking money. You know what I mean? A couple hundred bucks even. Absolutely. So people, this is like the golden ticket. And then. Uh, like everything we're talking about, the market was so saturated with them. You know, you, you, I yeah, mean, you, you know, it, w- <laughs> when when you when you're inserting two million chase cards into a yep. series, they're not rare anymore, folks. They are. No. <laughs> there's plenty of them. Uh, and they did they did this for Marvel also. They like did it this, got, right? Yeah, because it got so big that uh, you know, if you bought them at a comic book store, the you know, the owner of the store would have they they. They'd sometimes ask you to open the pack there because they would buy things back from you. Wow. Because if you had a chase card that you you know already had or you just didn't care for, they would offer you money or they would offer you more packs of cards. Unbelievable. It was nuts and uh, and it was weird because we had some stores that would uh, that would leave the boxes out for you, and then there were other ones that would have them behind the counter. And when you asked for one, they would give you one because people had a system. Where you knew which pack in every box had the special card, even though it was it was there was no scientific empirical what? standing in this. It was like it's like okay, well I know it's you know on the top right it's the fourth one down. It's like everybody it was like a schoolyard thing. Everybody had their system to where oh, that's where I got the Venom hologram. So, I mean that's, that's that's pure gambling. That's all it is. It it's is. pure. Just, it just is. might as well just give you a lottery ticket. Jeez, what? <laughs> that's insane. I didn't realize it got that deep. Oh, it's so nuts because it's like we had people who we had shops that would open the boxes and they'd mix the packs up to mess up people's oh my systems. God. Oh, it's so lame. That is so bad. Come on, I mean, folks, <laughs> go, go to the factory where the cards are made. You'll see they're not that. It's not that scientific, you know. They. Uh... Yeah, the guys who work there are sick of seeing them. Jeez, that's so that's so funny, man. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but but you stuck to the comic stuff mainly, right? Am I? Am I, I did. Right about that because. Yeah. Because the cards, the cards were uh, if you bought them at the comic store, you were buying them for like two or three dollars a pack. Yeah. And uh, like you said, they're at the pharmacy for three for a dollar. Yeah. So it's you know you go there, you buy them, you run like you stole something, and then you know you try to sell them back to the guy at the comic store if you have doubles. But uh, it was a uh, very strange because even even I got into the X Men action figures at this point. And, uh, you know, just to collect, not to play with, of course, yeah. wink, wink, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was the same thing at the, uh, at the comic store, you know, you, you have the X-Men figure for $10 or you can go down the block to Kmart and they're three ninety nine. Yeah. Four, yeah, four so, bucks. It's, it's such a weird, different mindset because yeah. now comic stores are so desperate for your business. They'll, you know, they'll they, give everything away, yeah. Whatever you like, you know what I mean? It's like you want you know, you want to buy one, get two free, whatever it is, please. We need we need cash in the till. Uh but back <laughs> the then they, they ran the show. And you know, it's worth saying though, too, there were a lot more comic stores. Oh yeah. A lot. I mean, there were, you know, I, I don't have the figure in front of me, but when the when this all did collapse, Something like a thousand or more than a thousand closed across the country. So. Oh, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's a conservative. I think number. that is conservative. I, I think I think if you probably go over, you know, looking at it over, you know, a decade or even five years, you'll see that it was a lot of. Oh yeah. A lot of stores. Within, within walking distance, we had five. That uh, wow. that weren't there in '91, and then they weren't there in '94. Wow. So, that's but so uh, crazy. Yeah. That was just within walking distance. It was really crazy. Yeah. Um, 
And, and you know, we, we talked about Wizard driving these prices up. These cards also did it as well because a lot of them had stats on the back. Oh, they all had stats on yep. the back. So you'd find out that, you know, Wolverine's first appearance is whatever book, which, you know, brings it to, brings a whole new set of eyes to the speculation and the collection and the, the key element of each issue. Yeah, well, now you got a so, number. Yeah, you now you, it's like, oh, wow, I know it's Incredible Hulk number 180. You know, it's like, so, you know, that drives the price up. And they also, they would celebrate crossovers. So it's like, oh, the, you know, the big battle of 1989, Atlantis attacks. And then all of a sudden, Atlantis attacks books are going up in value. It was just uh, such a weird way. And because I, I even bought, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the chat, that uh, I bought Slapstick number one. That's right. Because I bought the because his trading card came out before the comic, and it said that his first appearance was slapstick number one. <laughs> so, so it's like, yes, I got one. Mm. You know, <laughs> got your head the same one they mentioned on the card. Oh, that's, that's hilarious, man. <laughs> I, I remember a lot of these cards. I don't know whether they were special ones or special series, but they were printed over foil, four color printed over foil. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't look that great. They did not. No. <laughs> I just remember it not being a quality. <laughs> I think, you know, it was the same thing with the uh, baseball cards, too. I knew a guy when I was in high school that had already been a huge baseball card collector, even as a kid. But at this time, he was, you know, going nuts, as you might imagine. And, sure. uh, you know, there's something about a classic baseball card from the 70s or 80s. It's just like a picture of the guy or a sports card, whatever, a picture of a guy's mm-hmm. head or a picture of a guy in action. But then they got nuts. I mean, they had all kinds of crap on the borders. They had triple yep. borders, layers of foil all over them. I was like, is there a, <laughs> is there an athlete on this card anywhere? I can't. I don't know where he's at. Uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. And again, like looking in hindsight, you're just like, this. How is this going to last? Just production costs yeah. alone is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But people were hoping this was going to be uh, the new economy, the new and, normal. Yep. You know, that money would go away and we'd all be trading. Uh, you know. Storm. I'll give you a Storm card for a uh, <laughs> for a for a new Lexus. Exactly. You know. There you go. That's. I'll give you a Storm card if you clean my Storm drains. That's how. That's my uh, <laughs> my deal for you. Uh, didn't work out that way. No. Um, no. Are we gonna go? You want to go into uh, Wizard here? We'll do a little bit of Wizard. Yeah. yeah this is a. Uh, a lot of people know Wizard magazine and uh, also uh, the Diamond Previews catalog, which. Uh, which began began out began being a public consumption magazine in 1991, but uh, these things were uh, basically the bible of collecting. They would tell you what the you know they, they was like these are the blue chip books yep. <laughs> you know they had the hot ten and it would be uh, you know we talked about how they controlled things and the Superman thing. There was an issue of Superman that was the last chapter of Panic in the Sky. Nothing happened that would affect anything else in this story, but somehow Wizard got it in their head that that was the first appearance of Doomsday. Huh. So you could not find this book because Wizard said this is the first appearance of Doomsday. Wow. Yeah, it, it, like even like DC came out and said, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> You would, you would have thought that comics fans would, would eventually be like, yeah. uh, I looked at it. But, you know, it, it says so much because there were so many people that didn't didn't read it, didn't crack yeah. the cover. They never knew. You know what I mean? You could have said anything was in there. They'll, they never knew. Uh, that's yeah. that's so amazing. Yeah. And I mean, these these magazines were becoming collector's items, you know, bags and boards, long boxes, wider long boxes for wizard and previews were showing up at the shops. Um, I, I even sent you a picture of a wizard uh, of a wizard price guide with previews. Yeah. In the price guide. 
I mean, they were price guiding their own magazines. Well, it, there was an ad that was like it was, and one of the things was, is it yes. collectible? And it's like, yes, you betcha, <laughs> sweetie, everything is collectible, buddy. Don't don't throw anything away. And, uh, and I can't lie, I, I've got about 150. The previous magazines coming back from 1991 up in my room. Well, I mean, that, that's a fascinating historical record. Yes. But it's not worth crap. I mean, you know what I mean? Oh, even, no. Even a Life magazine from 1950 you know, isn't worth that sure. much. You know what I mean? Like, it's, the inflation <laughs> is ridiculous. And so these are comic books, for God's sake. It's, yeah. There really is. I, I think what they found and what I hope that companies are now is there really is a limited audience when you really get down to it. There's only yes. – you're, you're going to max out eventually on how much you can squeeze from these people. But. <laughs> uh, they didn't look at it that way, and I guess they had bolstered the audience with uh, what John Byrne would call citizens, right? The, uh, yes. The yes, regular, yes. the mere humans that don't read comics for a living or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's a good overview, I think, of yeah. a lot of 1992. we got a couple of honorable mentions we want to go through real quick of uh, other important things to both of us. Uh, one of them is the Marvel's 2099 line, uh, which I remember really well. I was actually really into this line when it first came out, uh, which was strange because if you think about it, it's sort of like the ultimate 90s extreme yeah. revamp. But I love the idea of a future uh, heroes, you know what I mean? And, sure. I, and, and I love the idea of a whole new world of things that would not, you know, I could kind of step into a new universe and not have to be, and it wasn't going to be the, uh, what was that shooter thing? The, uh, the new, new universe. The new universe, yeah. It wasn't that. It was, <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was cooler. Although I didn't hang in out of that long, so I obviously didn't love it so much, but I definitely Nobody had all did. for Spider-Man, Ravage, Doom, and Punisher. Uh, I, I definitely hung in on Spider-Man probably for three to four issues, but I had all the first ones on, on this. Uh, I really liked it a lot. Yeah. And it's back it now, awesome. isn't it, sort of? Uh, Spider-Man 2099 is back. Uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't followed it in a while, but I know that it at least at least a few months ago it was still coming out. Yeah. Who knows? Marvel. It might be a new number one. Who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was uh, 1992 was also the 30th anniversary of Spider-Man, which uh, would see the return of his parents, which would uh, ultimately be revealed as robots. Spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also got the first appearance of another hot 90s character, Carnage. Oh, yeah. Um, and perhaps two of the worst holograms to be featured on a comic book cover. <laughs> oh, my God. These I will. I don't, what, 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 what issues were these? You know, offhand. He, I don't know the actual numbers, but I know there were four Spider-Man books, and each of them got these. It was like a like a different color web, and then in the middle it would be like a, a hologram. Yeah. Oh and, God. Uh, they, you had to hold them up to like you couldn't hold them up to the sun and see them. You well, know. Let me just say a quick thing about holograms, okay? <laughs> and, and holograms on comics at that era. What they were using was really a technology that had come out like. 15 years before that, you know what I mean? Like those kind of holograms that, that you can see on a sticker or on, you know, a reflective surface, that was something that was a real hot topic in 78, 77. By this time, it was, you know, it, you could see how flawed it was and how Spider-Man <laughs> kind of looked like a collection of grapes, you know, more than he actually looked like <laughs> Spider-Man, you know. Uh, I, I, you know, there were there were a lot of holograms at this time, and I remember not liking any of them. But for some reason, these Spider-Man holograms, they always stuck out to me like, no, these were just ugly. <laughs> they were bad. Uh, and, and, of course, now, when you, you know, they look like... Uh, Nothing, you know. A lot of them they just yeah, faded they, away. Yeah, the battery wear. Wore yeah, off. something. <laughs> they just turn into uh, like a piece of gray, gray film on your comic. 
Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, uh, one of the one of the uh, honorable mentions that's important to me is uh, my first X Men crossover, which was the Executioner song. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where they they uh, they said that Strife was the child that Cyclops uh, sent to the future. Um, this is before they changed it to be Cable instead, because uh, I don't think anybody was too keen on a bad guy being uh, the son of Cyclops. Yeah. Um, this also was the introduction of the Legacy Virus, which stuck around with the X-Men titles for the entire 90s. This was like a, uh, this was like a, a, a kind of like an analog to AIDS, but it only affected mutants. Oh, uh, right. yeah. It eventually branched out into humanity, but uh, that you know, which just you know fomented the anti-mutant hysteria a bit more. It was a, um, it was a great idea. It really, uh, it would fall back on the back burner a little too often to actually be important. Hmm. Uh, like, Did you anybody see, like, ever catch the legacy virus that was uh, notable and quotable? Magic. Uh, oh. Ma- uh, Ilyana Rasputin, she died from it. She was the first um, fatality, um, which, you know, it was only a couple issues after the execution of the song, so we all thought, like, oh, crap, this is serious. You know, they're going to they're, they're, they're gonna start killing people. And then they just, and then it's like, uh, hey, we have this uh, clone of Psylocke. Yeah, we'll give it to her. <laughs> you wow. know, it's like, it got really, really bad. And uh, ultimately, it... it uh, it was one of those things that Grant Morrison wanted out of the way. Uh-huh. He came on to X-Men, so like an issue or two before he showed up, uh, Scott Lobdell came back and, and took care of the legacy virus. Just next. cured it up real quick. He was like, yeah. it's fine. No, it's done. <laughs> and, Another uh, one, we'll yeah, the X-Trader. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Uncanny X-Men number 287. This is another wizard book. Because... Oh. Uh, because this is uh, when Bishop came back to the past and found a video clip of uh, a traitor within the midst of the X-Men. So there was all this uh, – people were speculating on who this was. So key issues for every suspect oh my became goodness. valuable. Because like everyone cow. thought it was Gambit. So like the first five appearances of Gambit just skyrocketed in price. Well, well, they, they, and, they, 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 there was going to be clues in those – yeah. Issues again. That was the idea. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's very yep. silly. Which stuff. they had no idea. I yeah. mean, this was this was right after everybody left to go to Image, so nobody knew what you know, the, no. the 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 baton was dropped. It wasn't passed. Exactly. Yeah. That, <laughs> and usually stories, very few writers can do real long form stories like that. You know, like that, that no. are seeded so long in advance. So yeah. this was this was after the days of Claremont. Yeah. That's exactly the fella I was thinking about. <laughs> Uh, another big deal that year. Uh, I don't actually remember this personally, but I do know it happened in Alpha Flight and 106 North Star comes out. But as I recall, it wasn't really he didn't. No one said the word gay. Yeah. Nothing was really super uh, obvious. Didn't they want? Didn't they want to make him get AIDS too? Like they, they wanted him to die of AIDS. Yeah. Yes. Pretty... Uh, that was actually an article in Wizard that I read the other day. Wow. <laughs> as luck would have. But uh, yeah, it was an AIDS awareness story. But this has got to be, was this the first gay character? Was there, uh, Marvel had another one. Uh, I think this was the first high profile. Okay. Uh, quote unquote high profile, depending yeah, on your really. North Star mileage. That's true. But, uh, he he, he had an X-Man. You know? <laughs> well, he, he would eventually become one, but uh, not at this point. <laughs> well, now, now they got, you know, they got plenty of gay characters in the X-Men. It's not a big deal, but back then... Yeah. I think they were it's like, a hey, well, we're already mutants. We can't take another hit here. You know, we're already disliked <laughs> by the public. How, how many boxes are we going to check off? Come on. And uh, I think we're just going to wrap it up with one more yeah. one more thing at the bottom here, um, which is important to young animal, is that at this time, this seeds of what we would come to know as Vertigo had 
been seated. Um, mm-hmm. The Doom Patrol by Grant Morrison and Richard Case, which you know is the definitely the DNA of the current run of Doom Patrol, as well Absolutely. as Doom Force Number One was released this year, which is one of the best comics, singular comics you could ever get. <laughs> it's a total satire of the image kind of look and whatever the uh, you know what was going on at Marvel. It, it really yes. is hysterical. I think I I always think about I always think about Shasta the Living Mountain. I loved him. <laughs> it's uh, very Rob Leefield. It is very. It looks very <laughs> Leefieldian. I would say uh, this is also uh, Shade the Changing Man by Peter Milligan yep. and Chris Bacalo was coming out. Um, Animal Animal Man was still running. Now these were all DC comics. Yeah. Uh, Swamp Thing, Hellblazer. That was a DC comic, Chris. Really? Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sandman, which in its first yep. arc actually interacts with the DCU. Uh, which I think I wonder that seems to confuse some Sandman fans. So it does. All these books in the following year is when Vertigo would be uh, January. So yep. yeah, we're right up on on the edge of it, even as we're talking about Death of Superman. Uh, and all these books, I, th- I believe, still now, if you buy the trades, they're still under the Vertigo imprint, right? They they're branded that. as Vertigo, yeah. Yeah, um, which makes sense. But these these were the seeds. These were people were realizing that there was a market for comics that weren't just going to be about, you know, beat 'em up superhero stories. And uh, they were hanging around there. And thanks to those comics, that's why Chris and I have a segment today on yes. the Weird Science DC Comics dot com podcast talking about the weirdest books DC puts out. Mm-hmm. And that's just where we like to be. But, uh, you know, there was even more stuff to talk about in uh, 1992. And I'm sure that you guys out there... Um, have memories of 92, even though some of them might be, you know, I learned to write full sentences that year, whatever it yep, was. I uh, ate solid foods, yes. You know, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think. You know, um, you can definitely email us directly. I don't, I don't usually give the email out for this segment, but if you want to email us directly about your 1992 recollections, where a weird comics history at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can find us on Twitter, and we're always in that crazy Twitter <laughs> chat where we can talk about that. But, uh, That'll be, I think, it for us this week, Chris. Uh, you got anything else for him? I'm thinking maybe after the uh, after the episode goes up, maybe I'll put a post up on the Reddit for uh, 1992 so people can share. And because uh, I, 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 these are these are the stories I love almost more than the what's between the covers. I, I love hearing where where you were, absolutely. Where, what, you know what was on the TV in the background when you were reading this book. What you know, we at your grandmother's house. You know what was cooking on the stove. I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you never know, you might get a post from some guy who said I tried to sell this uh, five dollar Youngblood comic to these kids <laughs> in '92 and told them it was Rob Leefield. You know? Yes. Be like it was you, you mother, you son of a. Anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Let us know what you yes. thought of this segment. I, I had a good time with it, and uh, oh, it definitely, time, yeah. definitely would think about doing another year like this again on an off week. But uh, until next time, we keep it young and animalistic. See ya. I never come from the temple of simple rappers. Your rap's poor. I'm on track. I lap yours. Collapse yours. Elapse forever. You're never gonna get.